2: Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm Dottie Herman, and you're listening to I Am Real Estate. We're the only show on talk radio. It's going on 10 years now. That's all about real estate and everything that has to do with real estate, which is just about everything, including, unfortunately, the coronavirus and how that's affected real estate and actually how people have uh, people moving and not moving. And it's... Uh, it, it expedited a lot of trends that were in the works, but now really the virus has kind of brought them right to the forehead. Today is only a one-hour show, so stay tuned. And if you have any questions, you need to call us early on um, because, again, an hour goes quick. We have a great deal of information on commercial real estate with an exciting guest. This week is only one hour, as I said. I'm happy to introduce Senior Vice President of Citizens Bank, Ace lutter Park. Hello,
3: Ace. Hi, Dottie. Good morning. Good morning, Stephen. Good
2: morning. I miss morning. you. I've seen you for a while.
3: I know. I miss you guys as well. You know, hopefully after this whole COVID situation, we'll uh, all be able to get together soon in the studio. So.
2: Oh, I hope so. But Ace, I don't want to tell you. And someone told me, oh, you'll be wearing masks for at least two years. I was like, two years? Oh,
3: boy. Huh? I, know.
2: I know. But you know what? You do what you have to do. I, I had a yeah. I had an email from somebody on my social media who said, "Like, would you just say hi? I'm really feeling depressed, and I I don't know who the person was, but they were just feeling depressed, and they needed people to just keep them up." And I told them, um, not knowing who he was. Listen, we're all you know. It's very normal to feel up and down and you know, kind of a little crazy, because it's really very difficult times, and it's really hard for uh, people to kind of be isolated as much as they are. However, I think we're managing, we're finding other ways of doing things. Zoom has become a a big trend now. Everybody uses Zoom. And um, truthfully, I'm in the city, and, you know, thank goodness, other than yesterday, the weather was pretty decent. And you know now all these little outdoor places in the city, you know, have opened up on the streets, and it's kind of nice. So out of bad things, always something good happens.
3: Um, Yeah, it's it's really nice with all the with all the sidewalk um, seating. It sort of feels like Europe a little bit, Dottie. So it
2: does really. I mean, you know, it's it's always sometimes something bad happens, but something good happens, you know, from it. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm hoping that when this virus is all over and done, that they'll keep, you know, the outdoor spaces like they have now. I think it's kind of really charming and it's nice. The people, I enjoyed it. So um, sometimes good things happen. And, of course, if you're looking to buy a home, I I can't tell you again or you need to refinance that uh the interest rates are so low. What are they now?
3: Oh, yeah, Dottie, like, I mean, you know, it just it just continues to, to get lower and lower, right? So the 30th fixed rate, it's actually 2.875. And I think on this show, Dottie, we've been telling folks that the rates have to go up, right? But, um, you know, eventually it will go up. But right now, just like what Dottie said, you know, to all of our listeners, take advantage, take advantage, take advantage. We, we will not see these type of rates. In our lifetime, I think, you know, right? If you're listening no, to this I don't film, either. It's it's the lowest that either. it's ever been. And and I can tell you in the eighties and nineties rates were at 17 percent. So um it's 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 so critical that everybody that's listening now understand the power and the leverage of such low rates because your buying power is so much more and you can probably afford that sale price of $2 million, that's a condo in the city. And right now for folks that are, that are ever even thinking about buying in the city is probably the perfect time because folks have been on the sidelines for the last five years. I've been talking to so many thousands and thousands of buyers. And right now price points in the city is exactly where you want it to be if you're a buyer and you can negotiate, you can ask for your own terms. So don't be afraid. And, you know, just like what Warren Buffett said, when everybody is exiting, that's when you want to get in. So that's the exactly. best advice I can tell our our listeners.
2: Exactly. So this is really an opportunity for people. I, I see a lot of young people uh, buying where they couldn't even afford New York City. So it's a good a good time to buy. And I and again, I mean, we don't have a crystal ball. No one has a crystal ball, but the man upstairs. But as uh, I've always told you. I'm not really a big betting person, but I would bet my money on New York coming back. It might take a little bit longer. There's, you know, some ups and downs, but we're tough here. And I know everybody that I know that's really a New Yorker, they're they're really out here and they're just doing what they can. And uh, we've been through bad things before and we'll get through this. And by the way, New York, I just hope it stays that way. New York, uh, really the cases, we've done a good job, or I'll say the governor has done a good job of, of keeping our cases ra- you know, relatively low. So it's good for that. But there's a lot of traffic. That much I'll tell you, because I don't think many people are commuting anymore. I think a lot of people, because for safety reasons, are driving when they can or carpooling with other people, so they, they're not using mass transit as much. So I will tell you, there's traffic here again. Uh, about two months ago, I came here and, you know, there was no traffic whatsoever, but but that's a good sign. Um, I also want to thank Citizens Bank, which works with Douglas Element as a preferred lender. Citizens is one of the nation's oldest and largest financial institutions, and we thank them for their support. They also support their customers by providing an integrated experience that includes mobile and online banking and a 24-7 customer contact center. You can easily find more information at citizensbank.com. And by the way, just so you should all know, that's who I have my mortgages with. I only use Ace Citizens. um, I use the best. Citizens has opened the COVID-19 Resource Center, and they want you to know that they're there for you. They understand the tremendous amount of financial and personal stress that COVID-19 has caused. So if you need relief or have any concerns or any questions about your financial situation, please contact them at Helpful Services and Resources. And it also includes economic impact stimulus um, payments and programs and how that works. And they also have financial hardship assistance, online and mobile banking, so you never have to leave your home if you don't want to. Also with us, today is a One of our other co-hosts, Stephen Ebert, who is a partner at Barn LLP, one of the top law firms in the city, with a specialty in real estate. Good morning, Stephen. Good
4: morning, uh, Dottie. Good morning, Ace.
2: And, you know, I always tell you, and believe me, you don't really realize the valuable advice that you get. And we do this really to support everybody. um, I have been on phone calls with attorneys where they've called me, and I paid for 10 minutes of them or five minutes, or three minutes of their time. So thank you, Ace, and thank you, Steve, for really taking the time on Saturdays, and I know it has families, and is busy, to really give people information and inform them, and that's really a really great public service, and I thank you both for it, because uh, really, the, the, when I think about the information that you get on the show, I just say it myself, it's, it's incredible. Um, we're also going to be joined by Attorney Alvin Bobrow at 1030. Alvin Bobrow is a partner in Bart's tax practice. He focuses his practice on state, local, federal, and international taxation for clients in the financial services, manufacturing, e-commerce, entertainment, and media industries. Today, Alvin will discuss residency tax issues. And we promised this issue before. We were talking about, uh, you know, people leaving and uh, a lot of people uh, taking residence outside of New York. And and actually, since we were on lockdown, let's say, when did we go on lockdown? At least in March. I think sometime in the beginning of March. So a lot of people, because we were on lockdown in New York City, left and uh, either rented or You know, if they had a second home, went to their second home, some of them went to Greenwich, some of them went to Florida, some of them went to the Hamptons, Jersey, wherever. And so, now some of them are considering leaving. And, um, it's really important, and I, and I, and I can't stress this enough, that for tax reasons, it's very strict. I mean, the, 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 they're very strict and they do watch everything you do. And so before you decide to change residencies, we're really going to, uh, Alvin is going to really give you a thorough um, understanding of really what that takes and how you have to do it and what you have to do if that's what your plans are. Um, I know uh, somebody, so so he's going to be on, you don't want to not hear him because it's really important. I actually have a, a, somebody I know that, was in Southampton, and they they were there six months because we were on lockdown, and they said, well, we're not going to pay city taxes. Uh, we're going to just, uh, you know, not pay city taxes because we've been out in Long Island for six months. So there's a lot of questions, and I'm sure you're going to want to hear from Halvin. Um, it's really important thing, and it's something that's very current today. You can also reach us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram or email me at dotty daddy at com. And please follow our new Facebook page for Iron Real Estate for exciting news and more. If you have any questions, call us. We always like to hear from you. 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, I want to ask you guys, Well, before I do that, I always tell you this. So let me tell you. That on this day in history, 1907, Marconi begins the first commercial transatlantic wireless service. RCA is incorporated as the Radio Corporation of America. In 1979, Mother Teresa was awarded the Nobel Prize. And in 2018, the recreational use of cannabis was legalized in Canada. If today is your birthday, you share your special day with Arthur Miller, who's an American playwright and screenwriter, Uh, Mae Jemison, an astronaut, Alan Jackson, a country singer. And don't forget, today is also World Poverty Day, formerly known as the International Day for the Eradication of Poverty. Um, And sometimes we don't realize how bad it is in such other parts of the country and, and around the world. It's held annual, annually. It's International Day to raise awareness and the need to end global poverty in all forms. Remember, you can call us at eight six six nine seven zero nine six two two. Now, I had an article that I read, um, and it says, and, and I just want to, and, and please, Ace and, and, and Stephen, um, work with me on this one because it's really. It sounds very scary, and I think we're going to be fine, but here's a big story, and it was health. And I just want you to know, the health of the real estate industry is critical. Um, for the, it's critical for the city, you know. The, the real estate industry, now this was from Revenue, which is the Real Estate Board of New York, and New York lost $755 million, in tax revenue from real estate deals. So that basically means because of, we didn't have as many, because we were locked down and things of that nature, um, they lost $755 million in real estate deal tax from real estate revenues. So that's a big amount of money. The real estate industry is so important to New York, commercial and residential. Property sales tumbled about forty five percent from the year two thousand and nineteen. So this was a, a tough year for New York. I mean, we uh we were hit right in the beginning pretty hard and because of the density and mass transit and all of those things, um, it was really tough. New York lost revenue from transfer tax and mansion tax. So Steve maybe you can explain that, but whatever you buy another property, there's a transfer tax, and then, what is it, over a million? There's a tra- uh, there's a millionaire's tax?
4: Exactly right, Dottie. So, New York State has a transfer tax, um, and um, that is whenever you sell real estate of any kind, it's based on the sales price. It doesn't matter about the profit level. And if your property is over $1 million, assuming it's residential only, not commercial, then it starts at 1% and the rate does go up if it goes higher. That's New York State. Um, New York City also separately has a transfer tax, works in a similar way um, based on the sales price, and it will vary slightly um, sales price, residential or commercial. And this is big money. Um, with the real estate industry, whether it's closings and property taxes, Are around when you combine it, I think are around fifty-five percent of the revenue coming into the city of New York. You know, Um,
2: it is amazing. You know, it's not that I didn't know it, but as I'm reading the article, it stared me in the face about how much revenue New York makes from real estate, Um, and it's a big amount of money. Everything from office buildings to hotels and individual condos. and everything has been down a bit a lot this year. So that really affects New York City. Property sales tumbled since March with the city and state shut down, of course because we weren't allowed to do much. And as much as everyone thinks everyone loves to buy online and I think that will happen that trend will continue and probably get more popular as we go along. But still most people still wanna see. Um And to slow the spreading. So we shut down midtown offices now. I mean, you know, you can go even to the Douglas Elvin offices. And thank goodness we're all automated and we can really work from our homes. Um, We have all the technology and that we're lucky about. But truthfully, a lot of people are not comfortable going to office buildings. So the midtown office buildings are pretty much uh, not at all to capacity. And, um, I, and I think that, you know, and that's for another show because it's only an hour today, so we can't talk about it. But Stephen and Ace, and I think, um, somebody asked me this question, are we, how will we rethink office space? Because we know that office space will not be as, will, they'll have it, but we won't need as much of it. People got used to working out of their homes and don't need as much space anymore. And, um, what are you thinking?
4: I mean, I think there's always been a story with various shock events that, oh, you know, you know, writing the tombstone from New York. And, 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 you know, to paraphrase the phrase that's out there, you know, reports of my demise are greatly exaggerated. Um, I think there is a lot of pieces that are really not connected. For example, there's not a discussion on the cost of remote working for really growth and development um for your human resources at your firm. There's not enough of a discussion about the risk to privacy and and technology when you have a scattershot of people working from home. There's not enough of a talk about the the impact on efficiency when you have working parents trying to do work on a conference call and you have a first grader coming over to you because they got bounced out of their Zoom classroom and the parent is torn between the two um, we're doing actually another one of my colleagues is doing a CLE with IBM next week on all sorts of data c- privacy concerns when you have remote workers scatter shot all over the country so this is a very important issue and on a positive also you know we've had a trend for years where we're shrinking the amount of square footage we give workers that you know if you're a landlord the one positive if i can say out of covid um is that now there's a rethinking on how much space you give employees and giving them a little bit more space and if we have a little bit of a rebalancing on on rental costs i think firms are going to rethink about taking maybe even more space or how they adjust their workflow to actually have um, an environment where they feel you know safer and can work for 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 employees so i i think there's A lot of very interesting, nuanced uh, factors. I think
2: there's a a lot to talk about, but I also don't think people who have the luxury of not being in the office every day um, might not come back. And even now, I know with our walkers you have to call in, you have to, you have to kind of plan when you're going to go in. Um, I think the same way with the gym We're going to be right back. I think we have a commercial break. 866-970-9622. You're listening to Iron Real Estate. We're going to talk about residency today. We have an expert residency house.
5: Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain.
0: interpersonal skills are so important they can be the difference between success and failure every sunday night at eight the author of why people don't like you will discuss the keys to success when dealing with others host john bramnick is a stand-up comedian politician and trial attorney the past 40 years john bramnick has interacted with thousands of people and is here to share those experiences with you it's why people don't like you sunday nights at eight on am 970 the answer sponsored by edison dental arts where your smile is their first priority
6: Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, to leave their hard-earned dollars to loved ones or charities of their choice. But when people become ill and need to go into a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain your assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. You can keep your control and your choice over your assets. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that's specific specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free initial comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. You can also visit them at connorsandsullivan.com. Don't let nursing home bills take your life savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today.
0: Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com, tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or radio.com. All across the nation,
3: we are here for our communities. We're doing our part to get supplies where it's needed in order to fight COVID-19 together
6: got to do what we got to do helping the people that are
3: that did lose their jobs and lost their income and now they don't have money for their food.
1: It feels good to be out there to assist our community with what we're
0: dealing with. It's what you sign up for as a soldier. We will not rest until the mission is complete.
7: Each one of these soldiers once they received the call, they understood that all hands were on deck. This goes to the core Of what citizen soldiers do.
0: We are your Army National Guard. I would like our friends and family to know that your National Guardsmen are always ready and always there. Always ready, always there. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. Sponsored by the New York Army National Guard. Aired by the New York State Broadcasters Association and this station. It's I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866 970 9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman.
4: Good morning, everyone. We're very pleased to have with us attorney Alvin Barbro, a colleague of mine at Barton. Alvin, good morning.
8: Good morning, Stephen.
4: Thank you for joining us. To let our audience know, Alvin has a long and distinguished career in all sorts of tax matters. Uh, He's worked in the tax department at the CBS network, and we're glad he can join us at the firm and at the show. And there's a lot of issues and concerns with residency. And, you know, when thinking about residency, you know, we think about it from a multi-state level and within a state. You know, if maybe you can start us off, you know, we had a lot of people who live in, in Manhattan and maybe due to the pandemic we're living in the Hudson Valley or out in the Hamptons. And what are some of the considerations they should uh, keep in mind uh, from a tax point of view?
8: Well, residency really is a legal term, and they really have to understand what the tests are that the Department of Taxation or the City Department of Finance can use to make them residents, because if they are a resident, the thing is, they're taxed on one thing we say, which is everything. So being a resident is not where you want to be. And, you know, there's always been, I'll say, a migration from the northeast down to the south. And this has accelerated greatly recently for two or three reasons, Stephen. The first one was back in 2018. There was federal legislation which put a cap on the itemized deduction for state and local taxes at only $10,000. The second thing that happened in the fourth quarter of last year, 2019, we read in the papers that President Trump was declaring himself a Floridian because he wanted to avoid the 13% combined income tax rate up here in New York City. And also, he could have been exposed to the 16% estate tax. And a state like Florida has no income tax and has no estate tax. The third reason why residency is becoming more and more a front-page article is that as a result of the pandemic, many states, of course, have major major budget deficits And they're starting to talk about future tax increases. So while New York, California, and Illinois are planning big increases, right now Florida is a big tax haven.
4: So, Al, you know, one of the concerns and questions I get a lot is, how do you really prove this, right? I mean, you know, so many times you talk to clients and they say, well, in my mind, I'm a New Yorker or a Floridian. But obviously I'm sure – the taxman may have a slightly different take on that. What are some of the things that they're looking at? And also, if you can talk a little about the burdens of proof, um, what obligations does the individual taxpayer have to affirmatively prove? Um, because one of the things that always gets me concerned is how do you prove a negative, right? How, how do you prove you weren't there? So if you can talk a little about that or some of the things that people should keep in mind. And also some of the ways they can protect themselves so they don't have an issue if they're audited down the road.
8: Sure, certainly, Stephen. Well, the bad news is that the state gets two cracks at this. They get two chances under the law to make you a resident. And the tests are basically different. One test is a subjective test, and another test is an objective test. The subjective test is what we call the domicile test. And the domicile test really tries to inquire where you intend to have your permanent home. Where do you intend to come back to whenever you are away on a business trip or a vacation? It's basically an intent test. And that means that the intent is a very subjective item. And the tax departments basically use this you know, as a sword, I'll say, against the taxpayers. So there's a terrific, as you alluded to, there's a very high burden of proof. And the proof is by clear and convincing evidence, you must convince the tax department or a court, if you're moving on to litigation, where your domicile is. Now, to make it practical, um, is tax departments in New York and most of the other states have developed some objective tests where you can draw an inference from the answer to these questions. So in New York, for example, they look at five primary factors, and they assume these are fairly objective. And then from there, again, as I said, they can draw a conclusion. So step one is you draw key T-account, if you will, because only if the majority of these five factors favor the taxpayer will they agree that he changed his domicile. The first factor is the home factor, we call it, which really means they will look at the size of your home, the value of your home, and how the nature of the home is used. Uh, so somebody who's downsizing is really in a great situation, great situation because he's probably getting a smaller home less value and its its use is going to be different
4: but now to- alvin that's, that, that if i can draw for one second it pauses an interesting dilemma right if you take somebody who let's say has a manhattan apartment but then also maybe a home in the hamptons and they're trying to figure out which one is which one is um their primary residence the Manhattan properties I was usually going to be smaller, and how do how do they address that issue uh, if they're going to, if they're going to be brought that up by the uh, tax authorities?
8: Well, smaller in and of itself is not crucial because, again, as I said, it's the functionality of it, and the problem those individuals start out with is that. You know, the Hamptons are usually colored as a vacation spot. So there's a bias already against trying to claim that you really live in the Hamptons. And going back to what I said a second ago, you have to look at all five factors, and the home is just one of them. And theoretically, it's possible to have a time, you know, with the value, the size. But as you move on to the other factors, it may become clear that the individual really is domiciled in in the city, let's say. Because the second factor of the five is referred to as active business involvement. And basically the tax authorities are going to look where you participate in your business. Another way of saying that is where your desk is located. So that if you are living a block or two and you can walk to work, That's not a good situation because the home is very close to the business. And at the same time, you have an active business in Manhattan.
4: Alvin, on that point, are you seeing any change in the philosophy given the change in technology, given the change due to COVID and the ability to remote work? Um, Because people now have a desk. I mean, Let's, you know, we mentioned, you mentioned earlier about President Trump, right? Well, the Trump organization, he has a residence in, in Manhattan, right, over in Trump Tower. He has offices. He's obviously working in the White House. He's traveling. So, you know, how does someone who says, look, I have a business where I do have my quote-unquote office there, but the reality is I'm in the field, I'm remote, I'm on the phone, I have technology, How do they sort of weave that argument in a convincing way uh, for the tax authorities?
8: It's it's really emphasizing those factors or those, you know, again, I'll say facts, actually, in the individual that we're looking at. You, You know, we start out when we do this by finding out where the individual was born, what schools they went to. You know, we go into the history. Of, of the individual to try and, again, figure out where his intent is. Um, the other factors are also helpful, Steve. The third factor is called the time factor. And individuals, like you described, may be in multiple states during the year or have multiple residences in different locations during the year. This, to be favorable, this, you want New York to have the plurality of days it's okay if you're in colorado california
4: but now, alvin I'm, i apologize we have a, a quick commercial break but we're going to come back right after the break i want to talk more about the remaining three factors and, and what people should be considering in a professional to help them through this possible we'll be right back Fine. with Diane real estate after this break
6: You like your burger medium well, your peanut butter crunchy, and your mattress firm. It's the little things that make you, you. And you deserve a Medicare plan that fits your unique needs. That's why United Healthcare is offering more plan options than ever. So you can find just the right plan for you. Call 1-800-362-8715. That's 1-800-362-8715 to get Medicare with more. Remember, Medicare annual enrollment ends December 7th.
7: Balance of Nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time.
6: The product
4: that you have given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. My immune system has got to be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything.
7: I love Balance of Nature. I have great energy, and I think Balance of Nature is the best complete nutrition product
8: that anybody could take a wonderful product. I highly recommend
4: it. I've been taking vitamins off and on my whole adult life, and I've never seen any change. Not like this, not since I've been on balance of nature. I mean, I'm over 50, and you
8: know, your body starts wearing down, but that with nature, it has literally changed my life. It really
2: has. I had begun to notice after 10 days with Balance of Nature. I felt better, more energetic, and believe me, for me, that's something because I have
7: energy anyway. But I just felt a difference with this. We've all heard it. Eat healthy. But what does eating healthy mean? Sure, there are countless diets out there, but they contradict each other. Yet all experts agree we should eat a diet rich in fruits and vegetables. Whole fruits and vegetables are the perfect fuel to power the cells in your body, giving you the stamina you need to handle your day-to-day activities. And that's what Balance of Nature is. Whole fruits and vegetables delivered to you in a convenient capsule form for only $0.22 a serving. Our proprietary blend has no additives or fillers, just the full nutritional value of a variety of 31 different fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature provides you with a natural energy boost without a caffeine crash, a 3 o'clock slump, or an early bedtime. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself by going to balanceofnature.com or by calling 1-800-246-8751 and use discount code The Answer.
0: Listen to AM 970, The Answer on Alexa, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Hi, Kevin McCullough.
5: Have you ever had a legal question about elder law or estate law? Ask the lawyer host Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan answers listeners' questions every Thursday on my show, Kevin McCullough Radio. Just send your email and question to askmikeconnors at gmail.com or call 718-238-6500. And then don't miss Mike's show. Ask the lawyer Saturday mornings at 8 on AM 570 The Mission and FM 102.3 or AM 970 The Answer Saturday nights at 6 or Sunday morning at 11 on AM 970 The Answer.
0: It's I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866 970 9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO Dottie Herman.
4: Welcome back from the break. We're here with my colleague Alvin Barbro, a recognized tax expert. We're talking about residency issues affecting your tax liabilities in real estate. Uh, Alvin was in the process of going through some of the tests that New York State looks at, and we're going to be going through that. But please, if you do have questions, call in 866-970-9622. Now, Alvin, before the break, um, you were in the middle discussing some of the time issues that the tax authorities um, referred to, if you can please uh, continue with that.
8: Yes, the time is one of the factors. Because, you know, if the majority of your time, if the plurality of days you spent during the year in New York, you can then draw an inference that the intent, the tax department would say the intent is that you really never left New York. You need to be in New York. And, but you made another comment, which is also very important, which is what people can do to try and help themselves. So the time factor can be adjusted if you plan ahead. See, you may not need to have a plurality of days in New York. If you look at your calendar, you look at your business, you look at your family obligations, many taxpayers will make it so that New York is not in the plurality. The next factor is similar, where the taxpayer has a certain amount of control over it. It's referred to as the near and dear factor. And what happens is the tax auditors will look at the location of your sentimental possessions. That's one group. And the other one will be where you keep your medical and financial records. So the location of your pets, your personal items, your stamp collection, or other collectibles such as fine art will allow a person to draw an inference. As to what your intent is, as to which location um, basically is your domicile. And the same with the medical and financial records. So, what I would often advise taxpayers to do is to basically, if you're moving to Florida, move at least half the value of your artwork down to Florida. Or, you know, start seeing a veterinarian in Florida for your pets and make sure your medical or financial records are there. So, the time factor and the near and dear factor give taxpayers a certain level of control. The last factor does not always apply to everybody, and it's called the family factor, and it generally deals with minor children. If, if you have minor children and they are going to school in the New York State, for example, it's very hard to say that you're a domiciled in Florida if you're 10 year old is attending school in Manhattan. But that doesn't apply to everybody. And what I try to tell the auditors is that basically we should eliminate the factor. It's a neutral factor so that I can get rid of it. So I can end up with, you know, two or three of these five factors in my column. And at that point, the auditor is supposed to agree with me that the domicile is not really in New York. You know, we often hear a lot about uh, changing the registration on your driver's license or your cars, um, change your testamentary documents, uh, open up bank accounts and things in Florida, for example. These are what's called other factors, and the auditor is only supposed to look at them if there's a tie with the primary factors. And the nature of these factors are, if you take care of them and you do all the things that you hear your friends talk about, it's not really going to improve your your situation, but if you don't do these items, it's always gonna be held against you. And right now at the end,
4: go ahead. If I I can just distinguish on one point, anything that we want to keep in mind of city versus state, right? So a lot of what we focused in on is we've used the example of New York vis-a-vis Florida, but what about also things to keep in mind, the city versus the suburbs, and any sort of distinguishing points that we want to think about?
8: Well, the starting point is we have to say that the law, the statute, and the regulations are pretty much the same. Whatever test is used on a state-by-state basis, New York City Department of Finance uses the same test. So the, going through these five factors that I just went through, the city auditors do the same thing. It's, it's not much different other than, you know, many people constantly <laughs> call me and say, I bought a home in the Hamptons. I don't want to pay New York City tax. And I have to point out to them that that's not all you really have to do. It's not just the address, <laughs> if you will. And and we all know, and what was funny, I think maybe a few weeks ago, we heard Governor Cuomo uh, begging and, and pleading with some of these people, come back to the city. Everybody was enjoying working from home in the Hamptons, and they were calculating basically how many millions of dollars they could lose if these people take the position they're no longer city residents. It's
4: um Sure.
8: It, it, yeah. It's it's really the same inquiry, Stephen.
4: Sure. And then also one thing that I try to tell clients, but if you want to add any further comments, and sometimes people try to say, well, that apartment I have in Manhattan is a rental, but I own the house in the Hamptons. And try to use that to make a difference. If you want to comment on that, if w- the fact that you have a leased property versus an owned property does that really have any weight at all in the audit process?
8: Minimal. It, it really has minimal weight. But what you're you're moving on to now is the second test: statutory residency, where if you have living quarters, which is technically called a permanent place of abode, in New York City or New York State, and conjunctive here, and you are in the jurisdiction. Uh, uh, 183 more than 183 days, um, you basically are a resident, just as if the order that said you were domiciled here. So, we have people that count days constantly. They make sure they're under the 183; they're really under 184. And um, it's critical to understand that um, any part of a day constitutes a day in New York. And maybe in concluding almost, let me tell you a common error here. Um, Many taxpayers will come to me and they'll say they only slept in New York 181 days, say. They were not over 183. And I have to point out to them that each day they slept in New York counted as two days against them. You know, they misunderstand many times what the accountants will tell them. And the 181, we spread it out for the two days rather than one. Unfortunately, they'll be over the 183. So you have to listen very carefully and meet with and get a a consult with somebody that is very good in this area. And um, there's a lot at stake, let me say, (laughs) because the real issue uh, here is potential potential double taxation
4: I, I agree I think it's critical to have the expert on it because if you make a mistake I imagine there could be penalties and late filings and this is a very technical area I remember the case and I'm sure you'll know the one that I'm talking about we had a tax professor at Cardozo Law School who is living in Connecticut who got himself into a little bit of trouble on this you remember the case years yeah, back
8: and his last name began with a z i know uh, but I, I can't recall the full name and uh yeah he was arguing some constitutional arguments which which this area is replete with constitutional issues but again at the end of the day um he lost and um, he had to pay double tax really um so Residency is going to be on the front page of the paper more and more, and the states are basically uh, gearing up for a a ton and a large amount of audits that are going to come after 2019, after 2020. Uh, They usually wait for three years to do an audit, and uh, we're only going to hear more and more about residency audits.
4: Alvin, thank you so much. This is incredibly helpful. Um, for anyone who has uh, and more questions about residency issues, you can contact uh, us through the Iron Real Estate Facebook page over at Barton, and we can connect you with Alvin um, and you can uh, talk further about these matters. Thank you, Alvin, so very much. Uh, Ace, thank you Stephen, for having me. Thank you. Ace, you know, since we've been talking about different residencies, uh, wondering if you maybe want are able to just comment a little bit about when people are looking for a mortgage, sometimes we're really focusing on the primary residence, but any of the uh, factors um, on a second home, if you're getting financing uh, to keep in mind.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's so much to be said about the collateral, right, Stephen? And, and, and I'll get to the second home in just a minute. But even in New sure. York City, so many people are, are focused on their credit getting approved with their credit profile, but so many forget the nuances between a co-op and a condo, right? So, Stephen, I mean, you deal with so many transactions in Manhattan. A lot of times when you're purchasing a condo or co-op, it needs to be on the bank's approval list, and we usually call it a condo or co-op database. And it's important for folks to really understand the difference between uh, purchasing a co-op and a condo, uh, for that matter, right, between real property and owning shares of a corporation. But in in talking about a second home, Stephen, um, there are uh, different nuances, but you're getting the same rate because the bank will consider a second home a primary home as well, as long as you're able to qualify for both payments, which is your current home and the second home mortgage payments, then really you're benefiting from a very low rate because they're considered a primary rate if that makes any sense Stephen. you
4: know that's so critical because one of the things that i tell clients when we have this conversation is you have different people you got to make happy you got to make the lawyers happy you got to make the accountants happy you got to make the tax authorities happy you got to make the counterparty happy and of course the mortgage lender you got to make them happy And sometimes how things are defined, is it your primary residence or a second home, is not the same definition. And we just took 20 minutes to just get a basic overview, not even a detailed overview. And so it's so important that you have with citizens the ability to get the same rate, whether it's a primary or a second home. And that really allows you to have that flexibility with with doing things properly but working with the different experts to fit your needs. So that that's really uh, critical and helpful. Um, Does it affect the underwriting though? You know, if I'm deciding if that co-op that I want to buy is going to be my primary second home, could there be some, some scenarios where um, a building maybe is sort of borderline, but because it's a primary, you'll give it the okay, but not because it's a second home. Any differences to keep in mind there?
3: So for, for a co-op, no, um, as as long as it's not an investment property, um, right, Stephen? So a lot of co-ops will not allow um, anyone to purchase as an investment. Um, but as a second home, as long as you're using it for a primary residence and you're going back and forth, um, it should be okay. You um, should have no problems with the board. It's only when folks purchase it as a second home and then decide to um, change it to an investment property later on that you'll run into issues with the board and and things of that nature. So just make sure that if you're purchasing as a second home, that you truly are utilizing it as a second home and not um, as an investment property. So that's sort of the um, situations that folks may run into down the line, if they if they do choose to change their second home status to an investment property, just, they just need to check with the co-op board to see if that's even allowed um, within that building. So that, that
4: that makes sense. And is the same answer for condominiums, or could there be some differences there uh, for condominium usually, approval?
3: The condominiums usually there's no there's no real board approval. Um, so as long as you're credit approved with the bank and, and your income can qualify to carry both mortgages you should be in good shape.
4: Oh I'm sorry just to clarify on if I'm applying as a second home versus the first will you look at the condo differently right so will you say will you hold the condominium to a higher standard maybe more reserves or different ownership concentration does that make a difference or if you're a primary second home the bank will look at the condo with the same sort of stress test to see if that you're happy with the building as a lender.
3: Yeah, they'll look at the condo um, with the same stress test, but to your point, Stephen, if you are buying it as a second home, banks may ask for a little bit more reserves on your credit profile just to make sure that you're able to um, compensate for both uh, mortgages. But the condo part of it, you know, will will we'll have the same stress test as if you were buying a primary residence so.
4: And I know that we're uh, we're getting close to wrapping up because we only have one hour today.
3: Short show, even.
4: Yeah, no, it's it's it is it is, and, you know it's tough to try to get everything in because there's so many things going on. But I want to give w- one last you know question to Ace before we run out of time. Um, you know, any certain trends that you've seen in the last week or two, you know, just in uh, sense of volumes of purchase and refinance transactions. How are how are things going? What do you think?
3: Yeah, I think the music is on. Uh, this is going to be a cliffhanger for the next show. But uh, but definitely seeing a lot more purchase transactions. So if you're in the market and you're looking to buy, um, this is definitely the time as the trend is uh, folks are out and about and looking at um, different, different places. So, Stephen, it's been a pleasure be on the show with you. Uh, we'll be back next week and uh, looking forward to uh, getting together with all of our listeners again. But-